Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 293. It's at the core of leadership, too. It's that genuine desire to serve and, and to be a servant at heart. And, and if we lead with that as leaders, there's a lot of other things we can screw up. Um, but if we're there genuinely in our hearts, then um, we'll, we'll do okay. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Are you opening a restaurant and stressing out with where to start? Or perhaps you've already opened your restaurant and you're finding yourself completely overwhelmed with the day-to-day task that only you know how to do. If you feel this way, I've got good news. You don't have to do it alone, nor should you regain control of your business and your life with restaurantowner.com. And if you go to restaurantowner.com slash unstoppable, you will get a 10-day pass for only $1. Get on it. Hiring a consultant to train your staff and to improve your restaurant can be expensive. Wouldn't it be awesome if you could just get advice from world champion baristas and leading restaurant consultants without spending thousands of dollars? Tipsy believes you should have the chance to learn new skills whenever you need to, which is why they have hundreds of hospitality courses available for only $9 a month. To give you a little something extra, as a restaurant unstoppable listener, you can also get 50% off your first month. All you gotta do is Click the tipsy banner in the show notes. Get on it. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Dave Stahoviak. Dave, tell me you're feeling unstoppable today, man. You know it, Eric. I'm definitely <laughs> feeling unstoppable. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. I can't wait to dive in. So Dave Stahoviak is the founder and host of Coaching for Leaders, a top 10 careers podcast on iTunes. He was named in Forbes as one of the 25 professional networking experts to watch in 2015 and has also been featured in U.S. News and World Report. Dave has been recognized multiple times With international business awards by Dale Carnegie Training, his credentials include a doctoral degree in organizational leadership from Pepperdine University, senior instructor certificate with Dale Carnegie Training, and a Coach U graduate. Dave has taught years of graduate courses in leadership and education at Vanguard University and serves on the board of the Global Center for Women in Justice. Uh, Today, Dave is here to share with us five ways we can empower our people uh, to lead. So I can't wait to dive into this topic. I know that was a mouthful. I I don't want to leave anything out, Dave. Uh, You actually have another podcast too. Uh, What was the title of that other podcast? Oh, there's uh, there's actually a couple I'm involved. Oh, wow. with. Uh, my wife, my wife runs a podcast called Teaching in Higher Ed for uh, faculty who want to become better teachers in universities. And I also co-host a show. You mentioned that I sit on the board of an organization called the Global Center for Women and Justice at Vanguard University. And I uh, co-host a show called the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast with my friend Sandy Morgan. Uh, Sandy's a worldwide leader in the efforts against human trafficking and 
I've been really privileged to get to work with her on that project for the last uh, almost oh, wow. six years. It's you're been making, going even coaching leaps. You're making me feel lazy right now, man. Uh, you just got a lot going on, but I can't wait to get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. So what do you have for us before we dive into today's topic? Uh, my favorite success quote probably comes from Zig Ziglar. Mm. And uh, I used to listen to Zig Ziglar tapes all the time when I was in school and I'd be driving to go to my parents' house and I'd listen to tapes on the road for a couple hours. And right. one of my favorite quotes from Ziegler is, you can have everything in life you want yes. if you just help enough other people get what they want. Oh, it's so and, true. And, and it's so true for <laughs> leadership too. Uh, you know, we, we get so caught up, so many of us, in uh, what we look like, what we're saying, our positions, our titles, um, you know, all the politics of the organization. And it's so easy to forget that <clears throat> as leaders, we're there to serve the people that are ultimately there to serve the organization, the customers, and, and all the things that, that uh, are really key for organizations to do. Wow, man, that, that quote resonates so much with me. That uh, has a lot of sentimental value to me because it was that quote that was one of the reasons why I started this podcast, uh, listening to other people share quotes. Um, that quote just made me think, and I think our, our stories are very similar. Like you started a podcast because you were looking for a podcast for leaders. And I started this podcast because yeah. I was looking for a podcast for leaders in the restaurant industry. Uh, and you know, it's so true what they say. If, if you just make your work about serving other people, uh, you can accomplish anything in life. And that's kind of the mentality I had when I got started. And, um, I think we should have that mentality with our people that are working for us. Our job is to serve them. And if we can serve them to the best of our abilities, then amazing things will happen. Any other reflections on that? Oh, it's, it's awesome that you know that quote so well. And <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is. I mean, when you really if you live that way and really approach things that way with people you lead, with mm. customers, and probably even most importantly with family of how do I serve the people that I, I love and care for well on a daily basis. Um, I, I think a lot about servant leadership from that standpoint. It makes all the difference in the world. And mm. and like you said, it was very much my start too. Is I, you know, six years ago, there wasn't really, at least not that I could find, a good podcast on leadership that had decent audio quality, was produced weekly, mm. and had good guess. You could find podcasts that had one or two of those things, but never all three, it seemed like to me. So I, I, on a selfish level, I just wanted something that, first of all, I could learn from, but I also really wanted to create something that would be helpful to people. And, uh, and it, and that's how it started. And it wasn't a business and it had no, <laughs> there was no strategy. I have people reach out to me sometimes. It's like, what was your strategy for starting the show? I'm like, there wasn't a strategy. <laughs> there was awesome. no strategy at all. It was just, you know, start doing the show. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's been so much fun because of that. Well, you're doing something right. Uh, only incredible things are being said about your podcast and I've only scratched the surface. I can't wait to dive in deeper myself. Uh, but Today, we're here to talk about, like I said earlier, the five ways to empower the people you lead. And you gave me a list of five um, ways we can do that. And this is a short list of a total of 10 that I think you give away for free on your, sh on your uh, website. Is that correct? I do. Yeah, there's a 10-day there's a audio course people can get access to at coachingforleaders.com. Uh, but we're going to go through, I think, some of the details of these because if if you did even one of these things, and that, that's, by the way, one of the things I think about a lot 
when I'm speaking about how do we serve people well, Eric, uh, the thing that I'm always thinking through for the audience, the people listen to my show is what is one thing they can take away from this conversation that they can put into action today mm. immediately in their organizations um, in order to get results. And so this, this framework is really built around that of what's one thing you can do immediately. And, and we're going to give you five. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would encourage uh, everyone listening, take one. Uh, don't worry about all five. Just take one and take action with that. If you do that, I think some good things happen. Yeah, and he does have 10 of these total. So after listening to this, if you want more, you can get more. We'll have the links in the show notes. This is episode 293. So let's uh, get to it. The, the first item on our list of five ways to empower people to lead is ask this question to get results. And that question is, Dave? Oh, the question is, <laughs> and what else? Right. And I, I, I get that question from a gentleman named Michael Bungay Stanier, who is the author of a book called The Coaching Habit. And Michael was on my show probably about a year ago. And I had heard his name before, but I had not, uh, I had not really appreciated the value of his work until I picked up this book. And, and, and to frame the value of this question, Eric, because when you hear this question, you'd be like, and what else? Like, <laughs> what's that like, key question for like, leadership? Uh, here's the thing is, every leader, and not every leader, but most leaders hear that they need to be better coaches. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's something that they need to have good coaching skills. They need to develop other people. And yet, if you go and ask almost anyone who's in any position of leadership in any organization, um, what can you do today to sit down and start coaching someone? What's the first thing you do? What do you ask? Very few people can articulate what would they do to start a conversation like that. Mm. And the thing that I love about the Coaching Habit book, uh, it's probably the most masterful book I've seen for all of us who are everyday leaders in organizations to um, to use as a practical guide on how to coach people. And Stanier really, really does exactly what we were just talking about, Eric, is looking at things from the other person's perspective. Because coaching is about meeting people where they are and then helping them to move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, if you think about the, the origin of the word coach, a coach was something that took place, <laughs> took people from one place to another. Mm-hmm. And coaching is about that. It's about taking someone from one place to the other. And so the first, he has seven questions he articulates in that book. The first of those questions um, is what's on your mind? Mm. So let's dive into that. Like, sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, it's very much that. It's like, what's on your mind is what, what can I do to serve you? So it's not. Give me an example of when you would ask this question, how you would apply this question in conversation to start pulling back those layers of what really matters. Yeah, you sit down for a conversation or a one-on-one with an employee. And rather than having the agenda of all the talking points you want to go through and all the things you want to hit on and all the feedback you want to give them uh, that's accumulated over the last week or two or whatever... Um, it's so it's so tempting, and most managers do this, is they go into everything that's on the task list, all the things we need mm-hmm. to discuss, all the operational things. Um, Stanier really challenges to say, start the conversation with what's on your mind. Mm. What's going on? How, how can I help you? How can I serve you? And then to be quiet mm-hmm. and to find out what that person says 
and then have a conversation about that. And save the operate. It's not that we're not going to have the operational conversations, but save that for another time. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're truly having a one-on-one, and the goal is to uh, really help that person develop and to coach them, is to reserve that time to really be in the moment. Mm-hmm. And if you do that well, it doesn't take that much time. And that's one of the other points he makes in the book and when we talked about and, inter- and did the interview. And, and then, of course, one of the later questions is, and what else? That's the one you had asked me about originally, um, <laughs> is that sometimes the first thing that's on someone's mind isn't the most important thing. Mm-hmm. So one of the next questions you ask as a, as a leader is, and, and what else? What else is going on? And, and you start to get into the depth of what is a person really dealing with? What are they struggling with? What's causing them difficulty within the organization? What, uh, what's working well that maybe you as a leader can repeat and continue to support? Uh, but the key is, is approaching it from the standpoint of, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask questions and I am there to serve. And I am there to, uh, to support and to help move this person forward. It's not me coming to the conversation with my agenda. Now, of course, there are times as a manager, we're coming to the conversation with an agenda. But if we're really trying to coach someone, help them to develop, we should be looking at things from their perspective. It's like Dale Carnegie said 100 years ago, try honestly to see things from the other person's point of view. And uh, that question and many of the other questions he articulates in the coaching habit really helps leaders to do that well. So I'd, I'd encourage that a read or at least a glance through that book for almost any leader. I think it'll really give you the framework for how to approach those conversations with depth and clarity and intention. And is that Dale Carnegie's book, how to win friends and influence people, or is this another one you're referring to? That's the one how Uh, to win friends and influence people is, uh, is a classic. It's one of my favorite books. And then uh, the one by Stanier is the coaching habit. Uh, Both are great. Um, specifically around coaching. Stanier's book is awesome. And if you have never read how to win friends and influence people, uh, it's the one book I always recommend to people in in business and in just life on how to yeah. reach out and build authentic relationships. <laughs> I listened to that book on my way to Chicago this past year to the uh, restaurant uh, National Restaurant Association trade show, and it was so good on audio that I had to get. It. I bought the book, and I, I it's one of those books that you, you can't just listen to. You've got to mark up. You've got to highlight. You've got to make notes in the margin. It, it will be a life changing book for you, absolutely. And uh, some of the things that when you know, I was thinking about when you were just speaking there is um, I couldn't help but think back to my pilot days where we would be sitting down with your flight instructor, going through the practical and just learning and um you know they would always ask if you ask a question they would always say i don't know you tell me um and when i was listening to the audio clips that you shared with me um this practice of saying and what else really helps people to search for themselves uh to to think for themselves and to start their mind like that that cognitive part of their mind to really start the gears turning uh do you want to reflect on anything uh, in that regard and, and that topic of how this is powerful? Yeah, most leadership, uh, most real powerful leadership practices are really pretty darn simple. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that they're easy, but the concepts are really simple mm-hmm. is taking the time to listen. It's asking one question and then being willing to be silent and to really listen to what people have to say. And then when they respond of being curious, um, curiosity is one thing that served me really well as a leader, as a salesperson, as a coach for decades now of just wanting to really understand. And, and I think that if we can do a couple of simple things really well as leaders, then it helps us to do the more complex things 
better quickly and more efficiently. But at the end of the day, the the, the simple things um, are are going to be the starting point for building authentic relationships, trust within the organization, and people's willingness to engage with you as a leader. Because if you've got those things down and that foundation's there, there's a lot you can do. Mm. If you don't, uh, you know, no strategy book in the world is going to get you there if you don't have that fundamental connection with people and you're not fundamentally there trying to serve and help them. Yeah, and, and you know, it reminds me so much, too, of uh, Eric, or I think it's Eric Reese of The Lean Startup. Uh, he talks about the five whys, you know, and it's not until you get to that that fifth why of, you know, what's, this, what's the problem here? What's going on? Like, well, why did that happen? Okay, well, why did that happen? And then after you get to, like, the, the fifth why, like, that's where the gold lives. And I feel like that's, like, the same exact thing that's happening here when you say, and what else? Well, and what else is going on? And what else is going on? That's where you're really opening up the communication. That's where you're really pulling back the layers. And, you know, they say all the problems that happen in the world stem from a miscommunication, not understanding. And you just mentioned, you know, authenticity and, and the uh, genuine connections and just caring and uh, that trust. That all comes from you taking the initiative to really give a shit, pardon my language, and to start to open up that channel of communication so you can uh, – sympathize and, and be there and, and to really get this person to know that you you care for them and that's what you know it's about impact if there's anything i've learned doing the show it's about true real genuine impactful relationships with people do you want to reflect on anything i just shared yeah i completely agree with you and i've i've gone as far as taking this concept even thinking about it from just a in addition to just personally but from a structural standpoint um, on the coachingforleaders.com website, one of the first things you'll see is what's on your mind today. And there's five buttons that people can choose, <laughs> awesome. at, which are things that I know are pretty typical things that are on people's minds who come visit my site because I've surveyed them and we've had a lot of inter- audience interaction over the years. Um, but it's, it's, just, it's just that simple of rather than designing a website that's built around um, you know, making me look good or the organization or whatever – uh, you know, we actually, when we redesigned the site last year, we looked at it through the lens of how do we serve people well? So I think the, the, the profound thing that's here for all of us is that when we start to do some of these things in, a, um, in, in the interactions and personal interactions and we start to think about using some of these simple processes and start to make it become a part of our habits, then it starts to affect our thinking in so many other ways that ultimately moves the organization forward really effectively. I love it. Awesome stuff. So we're going to move on to the second uh, the, the second thing we can do to empower our people to lead, and that is aim low when developing habits. So talk to us about that. That seems so counterintuitive. Why is that the right way to go? It really is counterintuitive. And sometimes when I'm coaching our academy members, we're having mastermind sessions, I'll, I'll often make the point of like, I, I really want you to aim lower on this. And, and <laughs> the first couple of times I, I said that to people, like, what? <laughs> it's kind of an odd message coming from you. Uh, but it works yeah. um, because, you know, then there's some really great books that are out on this right now. Um, there's a, a book by um, oh, Charles Duhigg. I can't remember the name of the title right now, but it's a book on habits. Um, the one I know I, of is The Power of Habit. And I can't think of who, the name either, but that was one I recently read and it was awesome. Uh, is that one of the ones yeah. that's on your radar too? It, it sounds familiar and yeah. I can't remember if that's the, the book by doing or not. Um, it will track down and get it in the notes, but the, um, but I've had also a few people on the show 
who have been affiliated with some of these apps and companies that are doing like habit tracking. Mm-hmm. Because it's really fascinating, like what changes human behavior? And, and as leaders, I'm of the firm belief that we have to lead ourselves first well. Mm, and so absolutely. if we're going to ask people to make a change and to be coached and to um, take risks and to, and to push their comfort zone, we better be willing to do it too. Mm-hmm. And if people don't see us doing that, they're not going to authentically want to follow us. Why would you? Um, I mean, I, I often think back to like, who would you want? <laughs> like, I often ask people, who would you want to be led by? Would you want to be led by <laughs> someone that seems like they're perfect all the time? Or would you want to be led by someone who's making mistakes and, and, and challenging themselves and growing and learning at the same time, too? And so um, this for me is really key of like, how do we change habits? And it turns out that changing behavior as a human being is actually a pretty hard thing to do. Um, I mean, yeah. Just if you think about it from like a standpoint of things like something like weight loss, mm-hmm. we all know how to lose weight. I mean, that's not a, that's not a, there's no secrets. I mean, it's pure, you know, like uh, physiology. You know, you, you you either if you don't burn as many calories and you know there's a certain amount of food to consume, and if you don't if if you consume more food than you burn, you gain weight and vice versa. I mean, there's no there's no there's no um, there's no rocket science mm-hmm. there. It's it's purely how do you change your behavior. And so not just that, but one the, of the, the discipline too of being able to stick with what you, you started, you, you know, set out to do. I interrupted you again. Keep going. I apologize. No, that's fine. And I, I mean, this is actually interesting. You and I are recording this the first week of January. Yeah, this, is right? the, this is the time <laughs> of year that a lot of people are thinking about changing behavior. And most people will not be successful at doing it because most people bite off way more than they can chew. Yeah. And so one of the things you hear again and again and again from all the people that do these habit apps, uh, write the books on habits, you keep seeing this again and again and again, is start really small. Set the bar low. And the reason for that is you set the bar low, you achieve something, you have an accomplishment, you feel a sense of, um, of, of victory about having achieved something, and then you do it again, and then you do it again. And you start to build momentum. And the momentum's really key in being able to ultimately um, get to the point where you can change a larger behavior. And Kendrick Kinnison was on my show. She's uh, one of the coaches who coaches at Coach.me, which is um, an app that's built around habit tracking. And um, when she was on the show, she we were talking about these habits. And one of the things that I said to her uh, during that conversation, at, at the time I was finding as a parent, we have uh, two small children at home, I was finding as a parent that I was losing my patience a lot. And our, okay. our kids were at the age that, you know, they were, um, I think our son was two or three years old at the time. And it, it's just that age where kids push a lot of your buttons and they're going through that, that stage. And I found that I was really struggling with losing my patience. And so I was talking to her on that sh- uh, when we had that uh, that um, episode, and I said, you know, I'm I'm actually setting a habit every day right now to not lose my patience um, with uh, our kids, and I have that on my app. And I, I and if I go an entire day without losing my patience, the um, you know I'll mark it down at the end of the day. And she said, well, it, it, she said it much nicer than I'm going to articulate it uh, here, Eric. But she basically said, you're doing it the wrong way. <laughs> uh, she's like, that's a really high bar to set for yourself to not lose your patience the entire day when being around a child. Um, she said, rather, would you consider setting a goal of I, um, I, took, I was intentional about one time today not losing my patience. And I changed the habit to do that. And 
Eric, it, it absolutely transformed my behavior mm-hmm. over a series of probably about a month mm-hmm. of just taking one, being intentional about finding one time to change the behavior through a day and not worrying about hitting something that was perfect out of the park of having a much lower bar goal started to get me intentional about doing it all the time. Mm-hmm. And now that's not something I really struggle with at all as a parent. There's and so, sorry, go ahead. Well, as the, the way, the reason, and there's so much about leadership that relates to parenting, of course, but where this really comes into practice, I think, with um, coaching employees and um, and asking people to change behavior, which often is something we're at we're doing as a leader, is the tendency for a lot of us and for the people that we have the privilege to lead is to set the bar really high, is to say something like, um, you know, we're we're gonna, you know. Get do this 100% more effectively, or we're going to go from you know 10% 10% overage to zero tomorrow. Um, and and a lot of times the the goals are set so high, or there's such a big change in behavior that it's not really realistic in the context of everything else that a person's handling in a day, especially in a restaurant. Eric, I mean, you know better than anyone how <laughs> complex an environment that is. Um, and so my advice to leaders always is uh, when you're coaching someone on changing a habit. Uh, find something really small that gets them started in the direction, but um, but is something that they can get a very quick win on, and it gets them down the path of starting to think differently. Yeah. And then once they've done that a bit, then you go into the okay, what's the next step, and what's the next step? Yeah. Now? And what was the name of the woman you were interviewing again for that the the clip you shared with me? Kendra Kinnison, and I'll uh, I'll get the link to her uh, to you so you can uh, get her in the show notes too. Beautiful, and in that conversation you were having with her, she used such a beautiful example of uh, she needed to learn how to you know start flossing her teeth, or she wanted to create the habit of flossing her teeth, and she said she made the habit of just committing to flossing one tooth, and now nobody is going to start to floss their teeth and just stop at one tooth, but. It's that sense of, well, I can do that one tooth, and it's that low goal of just getting the momentum going. Um, and the power of habit, you know, they, he talks about this. I uh, can't remember the author's name, um, but I use the same the same technique when I was trying to get into my morning routine. Um, instead of running four miles every morning, I said, well, you know what? I'm just going to get up and run for uh, – a mile. I'm going to go at a half mile and a half mile back because I know I can run a mile. And it's more important that I get up every day and run that one mile because that habit, forming that habit, it takes so much energy and you, you exert so much energy just to form the habit. So you make it easy. Once the habit's formed, then you start going another telephone pole further, another telephone pole further. And before you know it, like it's, you know, running four miles, five miles, you know, in six months is something that you do every day and you don't even think about it like you're a zombie you get out of bed and your clothes are right there and you just get up and you wake up halfway out on your on your jog because your, your body it's it's all on autopilot um and that's what you're trying to get to is that that autopilot mode where your mind's not thinking you're just doing what you do every day so indeed um, indeed and it's and, and and when you go around and talk to people who do coaching for a living and are some of the best coaches like marshall goldsmith for for example has been up has been on my show probably the top executive coach in the world. He coaches people like Alan Mulally, who was at, uh, you know, CEO of Ford. And he's just many of the fortune 500 executives he's coached over his career. And it, you know, when he works with someone, he's working on one thing at a time, maybe two, mm-hmm. that's it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so you look at someone like that and some of the people that he's coaching. I mean, these are people who are at the top of their game. They are the, the, the business leaders, 
Um, people who are, you know, in some cases, making millions of dollars a year uh, have huge influence across their organizations and industries. If they <laughs> are only able to handle like one or two changes at a time, I mean, for the rest of us, I think that's a pretty compelling case for let's not bite off way more than we can chew. Let's choose one thing, um, be real specific about that, aim low, achieve mm-hmm. it then move forward from there. And I think to the extent that we can set that as an expectation and even a culture within our organizations uh, as leaders to do that, not only for ourselves, but for others, um, that's huge. And that helps us to ultimately get the change that we want. Yeah. And just to put more emphasis on this, it's what's so important. uh, What the hard part about developing habits is actually achieving the goal that you're trying to set out for. So if you make the goal super easy, then the hardest part is creating the habit. So, if you can run a half mile every morning, that's easy. And you, you get that half mile, you're like, sweet, I'm a, a king. I just met my goal. And now it's all about just creating the habit and doing that thing over and over and over again. Like however many days they say it takes. But once you create that habit, then that's when you start increasing the goal. And that's when you start pushing yourself. And over time, you'll be friggin' unstoppable. But you, you just got to get the habit created. And that's the most important part. So make the habit easy easily achievable um and you'll see before you know you know before you realize you'll be doing incredible things with your time so awesome stuff we got to move on to the next uh bullet here and that is give more decision making authority to those who have the best information dive into that for us yeah i had uh had a guy on the show a while back his name's david marquet and marquet was a captain of a u.s navy submarine the USS Santa Fe. Mm. And at the time he took command of the sub, it was the worst performing ship in the U S Navy. Um, it, it was a last minute, last minute assignment. He got in on the ship. The previous captain had left because of the poor performance of the organization. And he gets in the ship and he tells a masterful story in his book. It's called, uh, the book's called turn the ship around. Yeah. Which, the, fabulous, which fabulous. I story. added to my, uh, you know, cart as soon as I was, uh, I heard it on, on your show. It's definitely going to be read soon. It's in my, it's going to be sent to my house real soon. I, I can tell you that. Sorry. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. Well, and this, this is, this is a great example of, of doing some simple things that aren't necessarily easy. Um, but so he recognized pretty quickly the ship obviously wasn't performing well. And, um, and he, it came forefront to him because on the first, first day or two on the ship, he gave an order that, um, wasn't possible to follow <laughs> that the way the ship was built was different than all the ships he'd been on. And he didn't know that. And he gave an order, uh, asked them to do something with the engines and he couldn't be followed. And, and instead of, um, the officer who was below him, uh, uh pointing that out, he just repeated the order. And so he realized really quickly he had a very dangerous situation on his hands. Here's a captain who doesn't know the ship very well. And here's a, here's a team of, of um, sailors that are just going to follow everything he says. Mm-hmm. And so it's not an ideal culture for the organization. And so um, one of the things that um, Marquet was really masterful at doing, so many things he did well, but one of them was just changing the language around how people would communicate on the ship. Because one of the things that he really um, zeroes in on is we hear the word engagement a lot in many organizations and it's important to have engaged employees and engaged workforce and and his argument is that um, if you want to have engagement you need to give people ownership mm. and that anything else around engagement is just window dressing you you need to give people ownership in order to really um, be willing to make decisions, to have authority, to take action, to do the things that they think are going to really be in the best interest of the organization. And the way he did that on his ship 
is they made a decision pretty early on. Uh, the, the standard communication, uh, you know, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, kind of mantra in the Navy is, you know, uh, uh, when you're asking to do something, it's request permission to mm-hmm. do whatever. Um, and that's, that's standard military uh, phrasing, right? So um, he changed language on the ship, says instead of saying request permission, is uh, the language now is uh, I intend to. Mm-hmm. And so each person on the ship uh, was um, was expected to come to a conversation or uh, a meeting or an action with I here's what I intend to do, and uh, there were a few exceptions to that, but uh, for the most part, what he did is he um, pushed down ownership for making decisions to the people who are closest to the information. So the sailor who is um, who, who's working on uh, the, the the sonar system, you know, is closest to that that system and knows it better than anyone else, and so should be empowered to make decisions that are going to be the best for the organization. Um, same thing with the person who's running weapons. Same thing with the person who's you know uh, running the helm or whatever in the organ in, in their organization, and so um, so they changed the whole language around the ship of I intend to, I intend to. So there's still regular communication happening and then the, the command staff is informed about what's going on, but the onus of ownership goes down to the people who really are there and know that information really well. And, and one of the things he points out, and I think is just really brilliant is that a lot of leaders aren't willing to do that yeah. because a lot of us aren't re- willing to, Take give ownership over to the people who, um, you know, we need to give ownership to uh, to make decisions because Why? a lot of us. Why do you think this? That? Oh, we're we're well. Part of it is we're scared. Mm. Part of it is uh, we're selfish. So the scary part is that someone may not do it really well, and the selfish part is is I do it better than anyone else does it. Mm. Because I'm the leader, I'm the owner, I'm the general manager, whatever, insert whatever title here. Um, and sometimes the reason you became into that role is because you did it better than everyone else did. But if you're not willing to let other people have ownership over that and make mistakes and potentially even do it better than you can, then, then you're, you're really missing so much of the opportunity of real leadership. Absolutely. And you're missing the opportunity for each person to bring their gifts and their talents and also to develop those people so that they're not all dependent upon you every time something happens that doesn't quite fit the script of what's supposed to happen in the organization, which, of course, is every single day. And every <laughs> single hour. So it's it, it, it's it requires us to start to be comfortable with letting go of control as leaders. Um, and, and actually, speaking of restaurants, Eric, one of the things that Marquet talks about in that interview is because I ask, of course, like, OK, that all makes sense. That's simple, right? But that's not easy. <laughs> Let it go in control. That's simple. I, I get that. But man, is that hard to do when I've been running this organization for 10 years or five years, however long it's been. And I know how to do it the best. And someone's coming in who's new. And I know that they're going to make mistakes. Yeah. And so one of the things he, um, he, he suggests is he says, you know, next time you're out to eat, just go and, um, go and just tell the server, surprise me. <laughs> he says, you know, what, what starts to happen is you, you do that a few times and you let go of the control that you need to have. You feel like you need to have in every situation. He says, you know, worst thing that happens is you have a bad meal, right? <laughs> you get something you don't like. 
Um, but, but what you start to do is you start to train your brain that I don't need to have control over everything. And, and, and speaking of simple, <laughs> he makes the point is y- you take your brain everywhere you go, right? Yeah. So if you learn how to do that in one place, you start to learn how to give up control in other places. Yeah, and and so, so one of the practices I, I always suggest for leaders is find a way to start letting go of control, even if it's somewhere that has nothing to do with your work or even if it's in a personal situation. Just find a place you can start letting go of control a bit. And if you do that in one place, you'll start to get better at doing that for your people too. Yeah, and I love it because you just tied the the second thing we can be doing, which is aiming low to develop those habits. Same, it's, I mean, it's coming up right here. Um, but when I was listening to you talk, I couldn't help but think of uh, Cameron Mitchell, who was on the show not too long ago in a, a amazing uh, series of restaurants, um, Mitchell's Restaurants, uh, Cameron Mitchell's Restaurants. Uh, is the name of the, the restaurant group. I'll link to that episode. But in that episode, he's talking about, uh, he says, great restaurants are different from good restaurants and that good restaurants go through the, the, the motions of creating an operations manual and um, setting up the systems, the processes, the procedures. Um, but great restaurants, what they do is they teach people how to think. They teach their people how to think so that they don't need to revert back to the operations manual all the time. There's a higher level of just, this is how we are. These are our core values. This is how we, does this situation, if this situation pops up, like if if going, choosing option A will take us in this direction, which is not how we are versus option B, which is in this direction. And that's how we are. That's how we identify ourselves. And the obvious answer is to go with option B because that's how we taught our people how to think. It's in the best, like for example, our, you know, a, a customer or a guest sends back food. Well, I, do I need to tell a manager or do I know that we always lean in the best interest of the guest? Our job is to make the guest happy. So in this situation, what do I need to do to make this guest happy? And you make the decision. So that's what the difference between great restaurants and good restaurants, good restaurants, they have a procedure for that. They have a protocol for that, but great, amazing restaurants, their people know how to think. So anybody can make that decision. Indeed. Indeed. And it's that, that ability to, give ownership to people and it comes right back to what uh Marquet is talking about is if people have ownership and they feel like they can make a decision and people they aren't going to get in trouble for it or they're not going to pay a price for it later um if they really own something then then they're willing to do what's best for the customer and for the organization and most of the time that's going to work out really yeah. well for for everyone yeah and these things this is where those core values, those guiding principles really come into play because you can deduce from your guiding principles on what decision to make. It's a very high overarching principle, but you can look to that principle for guidance and what decision to make in this specific circumstance. Um, in the great restaurants, they live those principles day in, day out. They're always being echoed. Uh, and I mean, there's so many examples of what a principle could be, but just make we make these principles we make these core values for a reason so we live them every day and when you do that it makes it easier for your your people to make those decisions on their own any thoughts on that couldn't have said it better myself i think it all it all comes back to that and the ability to make that a part of the organization's culture and again it comes all back to the leader too Mm. if the leader's doing that well and living that and and showing how they're challenging themselves each day and letting go of control um then the people who uh, have the privilege to be influenced by that person, then 
you know, they're going to do that too. And if the leader doesn't, then that's not going to happen in the organization. It doesn't matter how well, how effective the policies or procedures are, or the structure for it. It really does come from leadership by example. Dave, I love it. I really do. We're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsor and we'll be right back. After studying over 300 successful restaurant professionals, I've discovered that to be successful in the restaurant industry, you need skills that go far beyond knowing how to cook. All of our guest mentors are damn near experts on business operations, systems, and culture. That is not a coincidence. That is what it takes to be successful. This is exactly why I tell everyone I know who wants to open a restaurant or is in the restaurant business to get a membership to restaurantowner.com. For only $29 a month, you have access to over 300 templates, including business plans, checklists, forms, manuals, and procedures. In addition, you have countless resources at your fingertips to join a community that has helped over 40,000 restaurant owners make better lives for themselves. Head over to restaurantowner.com slash unstoppable and because you are restaurants unstoppable listeners you will get the first 10 days for only one dollar again that's restaurantsowner.com slash unstoppable whether you're just getting started in the restaurant business or if you're a seasoned veteran there's always something new to learn that never ends But what hasn't changed is the time you get to learn. Tipsy has taken everything you need to know and put it in one easy-to-access location. With Tipsy, you can learn what you want, when you want, by accessing an incredible library of video courses on topics like food and beverage, service, marketing, and business operations. It's basically a one-stop shop for everything you need to run a successful restaurant. You can also use Tipsy as a staff training tool. Through the management platform, you can select the courses that matter to you and schedule them out to your employees in a few simple clicks. Individual memberships are only $9 a month, and as a restaurant unstoppable listener, you receive an extra 50% off your first month. So what are you waiting for? For $4.50, you can have access to this incredible resource right now. Just find the tipsy banner in the show notes. All right, we're back. And the next thing you can do to empower your people to lead is... Ask what's one thing you see me doing or fail to see me do, and that's holding me back. Did I say that correctly? It's kind of a tongue twister. It's a little. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a tongue twister, and um, I I got coaching on this question from Sheila Heen. Sheila is the author of the very popular book called Difficult Conversations, which is a fabulous book on how to navigate difficult situations. Uh, it's it's really a must read for anyone who's a leader, and I've recommended the book for years. And she has a more recent book out now called Thanks for the Feedback, which is how do you um, both solicit and uh, accept and utilize good feedback. And one of the points she makes in the book is that the kind of the typical way that a lot of us um, have been taught over the years as leaders, we've been taught that we should ask for feedback as well as a leader. We should be listening for things we can be doing better. We should ask even people for feedback. We should ask our customers for feedback. Um, And so the typical way that that's asked, and I asked for years, is do you have any feedback for me, right? <laughs> um, how, how was your experience? You know, that kind of a thing. And my experience, Eric, is when I ask that question, is 90 to 95% of the time, the answer would be, oh, it was great. Everything was good. Mm. 
uh, or you did a nice job or what, you know, whatever kind of the appropriate thing is to respond to. It's really hard to get good data and actionable feedback from that question. Once in a while, someone will say something that's helpful. But most of the time, you tend to get a very generic response to what is actually a very generic question because everyone asks it. What, what's your feedback? Do you have any feedback for me? And so Sheila's uh, point here is rather than asking that question, ask the question, what's one thing you see me doing or failing to do that holds me back? Mm. And before I interviewed her, I'd, I'd gotten a hold of her book and I had, I'd seen that question. And I went and asked that question to someone that I had asked the, uh, do you have any feedback for me question many times before. And I asked this question after a client engagement and he said, oh, yeah, I noticed on your, it was a virtual presentation. He said, I noticed on your slides that you, um, you know, you're going to, the slides don't have as much specifics as they could. You could actually have a, a, a slide for each of the bullet points you had there instead of having bullet points for each one. And in the context of what we were doing with this virtual event, it was actually really helpful feedback. And I just hadn't thought about it. And I thought about it. I was like, wow, that was really good. I should be doing that more. And I walked out of that conversation thinking, Here's someone I had asked the, do you have any feedback for me question probably half a dozen times before and had never heard anything of value. And then I asked this question and I get something right away that's really helpful and changed my behavior to help me to be more effective in serving a client. And, and it wasn't him, <laughs> right? It wasn't him. It was me. It was how I was asking the question. So the what's one thing you see me doing or failing to do that holds me back is assumptive and you ask it that way. It assumes there is one thing, and, and you say one thing because not a whole bunch of things. What's one thing? Pick one thing. I'm assumptive. There's something that's holding me back um, or that I'm not doing. What is it? And I want to know. And when you ask the question that way, it and, and I've even taken this question, Eric, and I've written it down, and I've had it in front of me when I've asked people of it, and um, you almost always hear something. And, and, and it doesn't mean it's always actionable. Um, and she goes through a whole model in, in the book of, you know, how do you, you know, what do you, how do you decide what feedback's actionable? What do you move on? What do you just set aside and say thank you? Um, but, but asking that question, boy, you get so much really, really good data that you can then decide what you're going to do. So who's one person, if you're a restaurant manager or owner, who are the people we should be thinking of uh, to ask this question to? So I think employees are probably the obvious starting point mm-hmm. of as a leader of having this question be a regular part of a one-on-one interaction or, um, or just an informal interaction. And the thing is, too, if you've never asked a question like this and you start asking it, you're not going to hear much at the beginning because people aren't going to um, feel comfortable at first of giving feedback or they're not really sure if they do say something, what's going to happen with that. So one of the key things is when you do ask this question is after you're done asking it, shut up. <laughs> and then whatever is, whatever is said, the response is, thank you. And then you decide later if you're going to do something with it. And I would encourage any leader who's trying this for the first time is um, when you ask this question and you stop talking and then you listen to it and you say, thank you is um, to find something you can take action on. So even if it isn't, even if the feedback isn't something you necessarily agree with or maybe hear a few things and it's not necessarily the thing you would have wanted to do or you would have picked as your first change, do something to show people that you're listening. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if, if people say, oh, you know, we should, uh, we, you know, we should have uh, better coffee, 
<laughs> in the coffee machine or we should have we should have a bigger table for the break room uh, whatever it is find something to move on that's a little bit because it's not about the table in the break room or the coffee what it's about is people realizing oh i said something and they did something mm. because then then if you do that a few times then once you get to the point where the serious stuff comes up um the serious stuff will come up because people will feel like, oh, I'm saying something and people are listening yeah. and people are doing something. Because if the little stuff doesn't change, you'll never get to the mm. big stuff. And so that's why it's, it's, it's sometimes when organizations start doing feedback surveys or you know, do more uh, formal things, sometimes they'll, they'll hear things like, oh, you know, we need to change the food in the vending machine or the coffee or whatever. And it seems like really small scale stuff compared to like the larger strategy of the organization. But that's actually a great place to start because then people are like, oh, we did this survey and they did something with it and they listened to us. Then you start to build trust and people start to really talk about the things that are the more serious things that you then get you have earned the right then to hear that because you've been willing to move on the smaller stuff. Keeps coming back to this habit thing, doesn't it, Eric? There's so much power in that. I mean, how do you know somebody is listening to you? Well, they act on what you're saying. I mean, that's just that helps form trust so much. And then knowing that what you're saying is valued and being applied to a business that you're a part of. And that makes you, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like I'm contributing, I'm a part of this, like that, that need of being a part of something, feeling like you have value, feeling like you are, you're valued is so powerful. And you can do that just by listening and acting on the advice of those who are, you know, in, in, you know, the, the stuff every day who are hands on guests, like, you know, touching your guests, being being put through the systems you created those are the people that give you the best feedback um awesome stuff and i'm really curious because you mentioned um you know when they do give you this feedback you said the one thing we should say after they give us the, the, the feedback is thank you but i couldn't help but wonder at what point will we say and what else because i feel like that would be a really fun way to, to tie in that that other thing we can do would, would that be too much yeah, I think it. Uh, I think it depends on the context and the person, the situation. The and what else is more of a coaching okay. when we're we're asking for what else can we do to serve that person? What else is going on? Um, I would suggest for feedback when you're asking for one thing and someone gives you one thing, thank you, okay, and and be done with it there. Um, and then you know you'll have the chance to. Uh, you'll have the chance to then move on that feedback yeah. and decide if it's something you want to do. Yeah, like maybe over time as you develop more trust and rapport with that, that person and you want to maybe dig a little bit deeper, if you know there's something that they want to, if you maybe have a, a sense that there's something else going on, then you can ask, okay, well, what else? And like, you know, break the ice with the first question, you know, what's one thing I could be doing better? And then see if you can't pull back a few more layers with the and what else, but maybe hold off until you developed a better relationship with this this person. Is that good advice? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and one of the things you want to do is if you're if you're asking for one thing, you know, when someone gives you one thing, say thank you, and and don't ask for more at the beginning, and and you'll get more later as you build trust with people. But I think it's I think it's really important that our intention matches what we say. So, for example, I mean, this is this may be a slightly different point, but you know, if if you're deciding between one supplier or the other. And you've already decided as a general manager or leader, or whatever role you're in, that which way you're going to go. And you ask people for input <laughs> um, on what the decision is going to be. Uh, 
you know, people will do that as thought times as leaders because they feel like they want to give people ownership over the decision and they want to feel like, you know, there was some discussion about it. But in reality, they've already decided what they're going to do. Don't do that. (laughs) Don't spend time getting feedback from people or getting input when you've already decided which way you're going to go. Just go. Um, If the decision's made, the decision's made. Um, Ask people for input on things that you really want input on and you haven't already decided on. Got it. um, to, to influence you. So, uh, yeah, I think that that all comes together as far as being real intentional between what you're saying and, um, and then how you respond. Awesome. All right. We're moving on to the fifth and final way we can empower our people to lead. Uh, and that is use the aim frame instead of the blame frame. So Indeed. <laughs> let's start Indeed. with a, what is a blame frame? Well, the blame frame is when conflict happens is, um, you know, what we tend to do, most of us, when we approach conflict, and this can be personal or professional, is we think, you know, we we do the what's wrong, um, you know, and who's at fault. (laughs) Um, And so what happened and who's at fault, that kind of thing. And, you know... even when we don't use those words, a lot of times we're, we're approaching it from the mindset of, okay, what's the problem? How are we going to deal with this problem and who's at fault? Um, and it just sets up a tone of animosity when we're trying to handle a conflict. And, 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 and if, you're, if you're doing a good job leading an organization, you're going to have conflict. Mm-hmm. You should have conflict. In fact, if you're not having open conflict in the organization, probably something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Because you're having conflict, it's just that people aren't doing it in front of you. Um, you know, if, I, if I'm going to have someone have conflict with me that's working in my organization, I'd much rather hear it to my face than have them talking about it to um, you know, other employees or customers or whoever um, outside of my knowledge. Because I know that people are talking and people are having issues with conflict. I just want to hear about it. I want to be involved in that conversation. And so the aim frame is a way to approach a situation where you've got conflict happening, especially conflict between two parties. Um, my friend Susan Gerke was on the show a while back, and she has used this in her work for years. And I find it to be really powerful as far as framing the conversation. So step one in the aim frame is what happened. So rather than what's wrong, um, what the the goal here is just to understand what happened. What it's getting all the facts. Okay. So what's this party's perspective? What's the other party's perspective? Just so we establish what what went on. And then step two is what's the goal? So given what's happened here, what's the goal or the outcome that um, that we're trying to achieve out of this conversation or this interaction or this conflict? And then step three is what options are there to move forward? So um, this is a forward looking. You know, uh, we're examining what happened. We're trying to figure out where, what we want to do with it, and then what are our options. Mm. So it's a it's a it's a conflict solver. It's proactive. It's not going back and trying to figure out who did what. It doesn't what matter. Was, At the end of the day, it doesn't matter who did it. It just it, it happened, and now we need to move forward uh, to, to solve the problem. I, um, I can't help but think of Danny Myers' words. Uh, Danny Myers from Union Square Hospitality, uh, author of Setting the Table. That book's always mentioned on the show, but he talks about. Um, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who's right or who's wrong. What matters is that we're here for our guests uh, and that people are leaving with good experiences and that you know our goal in this situation is to make sure the guest is always happy. And what can we do to make that happen? What can we do to move forward? It doesn't matter 
if the guest said the order wrong or they, they ordered this and that's what I gave them and they were confused. It doesn't matter who was wrong. Let's make sure they leave happy. Um, I mean, that's just kind of what I'm thinking of when you listening to you talk. And uh, I can't help but also think about, you know, you being such a Carnegie guy. Like in that book, he talks about the, you know, when you, you know, approach a situation with you're right or I'm right, you're wrong. If you, As soon as you say, you know, I don't believe in what you say is true or I don't trust you or you're 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 right or you know I'm right you're wrong like people are are naturally going to get defensive and the situation is just going to escalate. Uh do you want to speak to that at all? Being the the Carnegie pro you are. It's absolutely human nature. So yeah. if someone comes at me and says you're wrong mm-hmm. or you messed up it it almost doesn't matter what it is Eric in what context. <laughs> it 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 the human response for all of us almost all of us, is to push back. Mm-hmm. You, no one wants to be told yeah, they're wrong. You'll, your mind will leap to uh, so many unrealistic, so many such far stretches just to defend yourself, just to to make sure that you don't leave that situation being the one who's wrong, um, that it, it, it's it's just not net worth it. I mean, in, the human mind will always react that way unless – You've been trained unless you have that social and emotional intelligence to overcome it, but not most people do. So avoid the situation altogether by just finding out what the goal is and what we can do to make the situation right and awesome stuff. Yeah, and it's why Dale Carnegie, you know, 100 years ago and How to Win Friends and Influence People has a chapter on don't say you're wrong (laughs) because (laughs) even if if the person is wrong, uh, there's nothing to be gained by trying to convince someone that they're wrong mm-hmm. never does someone come back and say almost never oh yeah i'm wrong i really screwed up in that situation i was totally <laughs> this just doesn't happen <laughs> uh, even if we know it <laughs> i've had times i'm i'm sure most people listening have had times where you know we know we kind of know we're wrong maybe we fault in the situation but the other party's coming at us and we're going to defend our position that is just how we react as humans when Hard-wired, we get wired yeah we are. We are. And we want to save face and we all have egos. And so um, rather than but and, and you said something really critical a moment ago, Eric, you said, you know, it doesn't matter who who did it. it. It does. If you as a leader have set that as the culture in the organization. So if you're the kind of leader who is assigning blame and trying to figure out who who caused the problem and how they get punished or whatever the situation is then yeah, it does matter. Mm-hmm. And then you create a culture in the organization where people are going to battle around those things. Um, but if you frame it from a, you know, what happened? What are we going to do to resolve it? And, and how do we move forward? Then it's less about who caused the problem or, or, or problems. Then it's, you know, how do we resolve the situation together? And that is the kind of, that's the kind of thinking I want in an organization I'm in. And especially an organization, it's got a lot of variables like any restaurant, and a lot of interactions happen every day. Um, I want to figure out how do we resolve things really quickly. I don't want to spend a lot of time thinking through what caused the problem. Now, there's, oh, of course, there's a place for if there's a, something systemic that's not working or there's someone that's not meeting expectations, of course, it needs to be addressed. But in the moment when we're trying to resolve the problem, um, let's, let's move forward and figure out what the options are to move mm-hmm. forward. Well, I've I've had such a blast talking to you today, Dave. And just to summarize real quick, the five ways to empower the people you lead. The first one is ask the question or ask this question, which is in what else? Uh, aim low when developing habits. Give more decision making authority to those who have the best information. Uh, ask what's one thing you see me doing or fail to see me doing and is it holding me back? 
And then lastly, use the aim frame instead of the blame frame. Um, and these were all incredible, actionable pieces of, of advice. Um, I, I want to get more out of you real quick, though, just because of who you are. I mean, you're such an authority on leadership. Uh, what's one thing in all the work you've done, all the people you've interviewed, what's one thing you know to be true on the topic of leadership? I didn't give you that question, to, so this is off the, the hip right here. <laughs> There's a lot of things I'm sure you know to be true. <laughs> I think the one thing that I constantly hear is the genuine desire to want to serve people. Mm. And and this is something that so many of your listeners can really appreciate, Eric. I mean, the, the ability to have a, have a guest come in and to have them have a wonderful experience in your establishment and to leave um, with a smile on their face and to share that experience with friends and family members and to create wonderful memories for people is, is at the core of what so many people in the restaurant industry are about. And it's at the core of leadership, too. It's that genuine desire to serve mm. and, and to be a servant at heart. And, and if we lead with that as leaders, there's a lot of other things we can screw up. Um, but if we're there genuinely in our hearts, then um, we'll, we'll do okay. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and on the opposite, if someone's just kind of going through the motions or they've read all the leadership books and they're doing all the things tactically, but in their heart of hearts, they're not really there to want to serve and to develop people, then they're never really going to get there because that is, that is the key of having that servant mindset. And it comes right back to where we started. Of uh, and have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want, and it's so true for so many things, and it's absolutely true for leadership. Yeah, I love it, and this is a topic that comes up a lot on the show. Is just that idea of either you have it or you don't have it. You, you've got to be that that type of person, that breed of person that just lives to make other people happy, that lives to serve other people, that lives to see other people progress in life. And in your work, I've. I've seen you write a few times just going around your website that uh, leadership is something that can be uh, trained. Uh, So do you think that it's possible to train this trait of being somebody who lives to serve? I'm curious because a lot of people I interview say you can't train it. It's either something that's there, that desire either needs to be there or it's not there and it's not trainable. So is that specific part of being a leader that desire to serve others? Is that trainable? I think anything is trainable, almost anything. And I believe this is trainable too. Mm. Um, that said, there are absolutely people who have a greater propensity yeah. to it than others. Absolutely. And it's why, um, it's why there are people who are great natural fits for serving in a restaurant and there are people who are not natural mm-hmm. fits for. Um, but is it learnable? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I've seen it now for two decades of working in the training industry, of hosting this podcast, of, of meeting so many people and having the privilege to see through through coaching and through Carnegie courses and, and all the ways. I've seen people I'm like, uh, you know, I, I've come into the interactions and I was like, how, how is this person ever going to change? And I've been amazed at some of the changes that they can make. If, if a person is willing 
to take the steps and is willing to be coached and is willing to learn, uh, anything is learned. Um, the key is the willingness. And so um, I, you know, I would never, ever suggest to, um, you know, someone running a restaurant that they don't screen for that. Of course, you know, it, it's a lot easier <laughs> rather than spending five years trying to convince someone and, and train them if they want to learn to uh, to have a genuine care for people. It's a lot easier just to hire someone out of the gate who's got that. Um, but could someone learn that who wants to? Yeah. Uh, can someone learn that who doesn't want to and doesn't want to grow? No. So the key is, is, and I've learned certainly this lesson again and again in serving uh, and being in a, the adult learning space for a couple of decades now, um, you can do all the coaching you want with someone. If they are not willing to come along the road with you, you are wasting your time and you're wasting their time too. Um, so you, you absolutely have to have someone who's willing to do it. And if it's the willingness is there, then absolutely the path uh, can lead to wonderful places. Dave, this has been so much fun. We wrap up every episode by calling somebody out. So you've you know, mentioned some pretty incredible leaders in today's conversation. Who is one person you think would be a great guest mentor like you were today uh, on the show? Just call someone out. I, I think of two people right off the top of my head. Uh, one of them is my friend Tom Henschel, who uh, hosts a show called The Look and Sound of Leadership. Uh, he's been going almost a decade on his show. It's a masterful show mm. on coaching and I think he'd, he'd bring wonderful perspective to your audience as well, Eric. And then uh, the other person I was thinking of, and I, I meant to track this down before our conversation today, Eric, uh, my uh, neighbor across the street um, is involved in a restaurant business um, in Texas. And they have a, um, a burger joint. They've got a couple of locations. And apparently they're doing some really innovative awesome. things. And it's growing amazingly. Um, I'll, I'll track down their, uh, their information because their parents are involved in the business too. Um, I'll track down their information and uh, see if they'd be up for connecting with you because I think uh, you guys may uh, may learn from from each other. Can I get a name or are you going to hold off on that until you get the, the green light? Let me get a green light from them <laughs> okay. and I'll, I'll get you the name. Well, Tom, look out. I'm coming after you and hopefully we'll keep our fingers crossed with the burger folks out in Texas. I'd uh, we'll love to get you guys on the show as well. And let the folks at home know, Dave, how can we connect with you? If we want to listen to your podcast, if we want to shoot you an email, if we want to be a part of the community that you've created for yourself uh, and for other people looking to serve as leaders, how can we connect? Yeah, the best way is just to go to coachingforleaders.com. Everything uh, we've talked about today is on the website. And uh, in addition to that, uh, you can set up a free membership and get access to the free audio course, 10 Ways to Empower the People You Lead. We went through five of them today. There's five more. And in addition, all the original interviews with all the people we talked about today are there. Um, we'll go into a lot more detail. So uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a coachingforleaders.com. Beautiful. And again, this is episode 293. So head over to restaurantsunstoppable.com slash 293. I'll have links to uh, that that course, those 10 uh, things we can do to empower our people. I'll have a link to that. I'll have a link to all the books. There was a handful of books mentioned today, all good ones. I'll link to those as well. And anything else that's worth linking to, you can find again in the show notes, 293. Dave, thank you so much for joining us. There is no questioning you are unstoppable thanks eric i appreciate the invitation cheers wow i had such a great time speaking with dave today dave thank you so much for coming on the show i mean you couldn't have ended this episode better with just putting that emphasis on what can happen if we just live to serve and if there's just one truth that I've found 
as well. And I mean, I love the way you answered that. You just answered it with so much grace. And that's just that truth of living to serve others. If you make your life not up, just limiting it to you know serving your guests, but living to serve the people that work for you, to to be a servant leader, to embrace everything that is encompassed in just that idea of I'm in this role as the manager, as the owner, in this leadership role to serve everyone I touch, to make the lives of everybody I come in contact with better, uh, to, to just to live, to be a servant, you will be amazed at how you know your life will change for the better and, and how rewarding your life will be. Uh, I, I loved it. I really did. Um, beautiful stuff. Great tips. I mean, like he says, you could use any one of these five tips and uh, you will start living a better life tomorrow. Uh, just implement one of these things, guys. Do yourself the favor. Just implement one of these things and start seeing your life taking a turn for the better. And like he said, uh, you can head over, head over to his website. Uh, I'll, I'll have the links in the show notes. He has uh, a, a total of 10 of these uh, huge takeaways that he gives away for free. Uh, so this is just uh, five of the 10 uh, things we can do to empower our leaders. Uh, you, know, you, you owe it to yourself to, to take the next step and to head over there and to uh, continue uh, growing personally. So like always, guys, um, please connect with me, Eric, at restaurantunstoppable.com. I love connecting with my guests. Uh, shoot me those emails. Uh, connect with me on Facebook at Facebook slash Restaurant Unstoppable. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Restaurant Unstoppable. Uh, trying to be much more active on Instagram. Um, and the best way to connect to me, the, the way I enjoy the most uh, to connect with my guests is to uh, set up that free 15-minute one-on-one chat. I love those chats. Um, those chats help me so much with creating content. Um, I get to listen to your pain points. I get to find out where the pain is and then I can get somebody on the show to uh, provide a remedy or to offer uh, suggestions. Or, um, But you know, when you, when you tell me where the pain is, when you tell me where it hurts, I, I can then go to my massive network. I can get the people with the answers on the show. Um, plus, I just like connecting with you guys. There's no better way, in my opinion, to connect uh, than just picking up the phone and having a conversation like they used to in the good old-fashioned days. So uh, the links are right there, restaurantunstoppable.com slash one-on-one, or just find the banners at Restaurant Unstoppable. And uh, like always, keep those five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio coming. I've had some great reviews. Special thanks to Crossfire, Bass, uh, Renee, and Damien. For leaving uh, reviews in December. Uh, those reviews were great, guys. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, can't wait for 2007, guys. This is going to be the year. I'm going to really deliver. I'm going to step it up. I know I am. I feel good about this year, guys. Good things are coming. And I, I just want to say thank you to everybody who's listening and who's engaging and uh, who's using my links uh, to support the show. Every, every time you guys use a link in the show, there's a chance that some of those links are affiliate links. Um, and uh, I get a commission at no extra expense to you. It really helps support the show. So if there's something you discover on the show, whether it's a POS system, whether it's a book, whether it's a scheduling app, whether it's anything that you discover on the show, let me know. Uh, use my links or shoot me a message letting me know you're interested. I'll connect you with the right people. That does really help support the show. All right, guys, that's all I have for you today. Until next time, peace out.